No, I was just going to give a warning. Uh, I want to apologize in advance. Some of our younger ones are using these as weapons of mass destruction. Uh, if you are palm praised with one of these, just take it from them and uh, we'll, we'll go on from there. Go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Trinity. We want to thank you for coming out for our Palm Sunday celebration. We take this Sunday and we remember as Jesus entered the town of Jerusalem before dying on the cross for us. And if you notice, like Pastor said, we got these palms. So if you invite me and just, if you join me in standing together, just get your palms and start praising the Lord as we enter into a time of worship.
God. Praise God. Amen. We want to say welcome to our visitors today. If you've come to join us, we'll have Mark walk down the aisle, and he will have a special gift for you. Walk a little faster. <laughs> All right, if you're a visitor, slip up your hand, and Mark will have a uh, visitor card with you. Just fill out the information on it and uh, drop it in one of the offering plates, and that way we can keep in touch with you and keep you up to date with some things that are going on here at the church. This is a busy week here at Trinity. Uh, oh, you're dismissed. Sorry. Go ahead. Slip up your hands. We'll get you after if he missed you. All right, like I said, this is a busy week here at Trinity. Uh, Wednesday at 10 a.m. and 7, we have adult Bible studies in um, the Bible study room out the, into this lobby, down the steps, make a left. Um, at the 10 a.m. study, we are looking at prayer principles in every book of the Bible. And at the 7 p.m. adult Bible study, we're looking at King David and 2 Samuel and the different ministries that happen there. Um, come and join us. We have all kinds of activities for ministries for each age group. We have Royal Rangers, uh, Mission Nets, youth, and it's a great time to come out and just grow in, in the Lord. Good Friday, we have a night of worship. That's this Friday at 7 p.m. here, so everyone, please come out. It will be a great time. God has some wonderful things in store for us. Saturday morning is men's breakfast in the fireside room, and Bill Daughtery is going to be sharing a message with us. Um, Pastor Ken and Kate will be cooking, so I have faith in Kate. <laughs> Next Sunday is our resurrection celebration. Um, please show up at 9.30 for breakfast, um, but if you're going to do that, please make sure you sign up in the lobby so we have food for everyone. 10.30 is our praise and worship time, followed by the drama of the centurion. So you're not going to want to miss that. You're going to want to come out. Um, and then there's lots of other announcements in your bulletin. But I want to give a special thank you, thank you if you participated in the 31 fundraiser for the youth missions trip. That went outstanding. So if you participated and were able to help us out, thank you very much. And if you came out last week, to Texas Roadhouse. I know that was a very good night with some good food, and it turned out great for us. So as we enter back into a time of worship, I ask you to please stand with me. And if I may, I just want to say, guys, give it up to God. Just put your hands up, surrender to him, and just let him work in your life.
Hallelujah. conquering hero, not just someone that they believe was going to deliver them from Rome. But we know we're worshiping the one who can deliver us from the clutches of sin and death and hell. Give us eternal life, this one called Jesus. Help us to be praisers of Jesus. We ask, Father, this day you would meet with us in a fresh way touch our lives we ask in Jesus name amen amen praise God you may be seated the kids are dismissed to go to their class today praise God we had an excellent excellent time yesterday we had one of our Israel trip information times yesterday had a good turnout, had some folks I haven't seen in a long while. We had some folks all the way from Bell Fountain that drove down that are going to be a part of our trip in January. We had some folks that I used to be the pastor of when I was over at Eastgate. They came in and they brought some friends and we just had a wonderful time. We had people watching from the Cleveland area and people from down in Florida and others that are tuning in. Uh, for those of you who tuned in and would like to have one of the information packets, uh, if you would just uh, call us or text us, don't call me now, uh, call or text us and give us your address, we'll send that information out to you. The trip is building, and I just put in a call yesterday to our the company president. I need to know how many seats I have available that I can fill with people. And I don't want to overbook. So uh, you pray for us as we're putting this trip together. It's, a, it's an amazing time to go to the Holy Land and to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and the prophets and the kings. And I, I can never come to a Palm Sunday except I remember that winding path down. The people had been there many times before. When King David came back from a great victory, Scriptures tells us the people lined the, the pathway on the hill overlooking Jerusalem all the way down to the, the fortress walls of the city. And they waved palm branches, victory, palms of victory, palms of glory. And when you looked from the Temple Mount and you looked out uh, along that pathway, with the waving of the palm branches and the people casting their garments, it looked as if 
The conquering hero was riding on a cloud of green all the way down when he would come into the city of Jerusalem. And that same day when Jesus came in, they thought he'd come to deliver them from Rome, but he came to deliver them from their sin. And I, I just enjoy walking those same steps and remembering that he did it all for us. Amen? He did it all for us. If you have any questions about that trip to Israel, you let me know. I'll gush all over you. I, I just enjoy taking people there. Would you take the word of God with me today? I'm going to invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and beginning with verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and beginning with verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Heavenly Father, help us to get a fresh glimpse of the cross today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Same cross. And yet to some they view it as foolishness, stupidity, that we're crazy. But to those of us who know the power of his forgiving grace and mercy, the cross is a whole nother thing. It's all about your, your position and your perspective. Years ago, when my son was in the programs, I used to uh, coach flag football, little league baseball, and YMCA basketball. That's scary just to think about it, isn't it? Me, a coach, and shaping those young lives with all my lack of skills and abilities. But the way that I saw the games that I was coaching or managing from the sideline was different than how the officials saw that same game. It was the same game, right? It was the same baseball game, the same flag football game, the, the same basketball game but from my position I had a different perspective of what was happening I remember saying things like didn't you see that are you blind he saw it differently than I did what's wrong didn't you see that double dribble? Now, for those of you that are a little older, a little younger, rather, you've never heard that term because basketball today, you can do all kinds of stuff. But in my day, you couldn't 
double dribble or walk with the ball. That's all they do anymore. Throw the flag. Not on my guy. He held him. He held him. He held him. He had a completely different perspective because of his position. The ref, the ump. I wanted to educate them. And, and sometimes they did not appreciate my, my edification uh, practices. On more than one occasion, I've had mean stares from officials who would come over to the sideline and say, Keen, Sit down. I'm the official. You're not. He was trying to let me know he saw it differently from where he stood. Today, we want to look at the cross of Jesus Christ. That simple pairing of two planks of wood. We want to see it from different positions that will give us different perspectives. Because each person views the cross from someplace different. Every one of us in this room views it from a different perspective. Depending upon where you're seated, there's some already who have caught the fact that it's not completely centered. How many of you have already got that? Just from where you're sitting? Okay, back to, yes, yes. I, move, I put it that way just for you <laughs> because all during the service you're going to be so fixated upon that you'll forget that I fumble bumble stumble around with my words sometimes it's all from your perspective your position your placement of how you view not only this cross but the cross of Jesus I just want to take a few seven if you will we're not going to spend a long time with each one. But various people viewed the cross in a variety of ways. First of all, I want to invite you to view the cross from the perspective of the Romans. To the Romans, it was a symbol of power, authority, victory, Shame to their enemies and fear in the hearts when they came to town. The Roman world littered the countryside with crosses. I was doing a search on, on Google the other day for the crucifixion scene from the original movie called Spartacus. Uh, don't, don't go to the current one. It is vulgar and foul. But the one with Kirk Douglas back in the 60s was uh, an epic film. And the concluding segment of that film is worth a watch. Spartacus was a, a gladiator who led a bunch of gladiators against the Roman authority of the day. 
they raised up an army of gladiators. They were paid to lay their lives on the line for sport and for game, and they were tired of being slaves. And Spartacus rose up with them, and he was their leader. It all came down to a final bloody battle, and they had to drop their swords in defeat. And the Roman leader of the centurions came up and said, We have no quarrel with all of you, just one of you. We want to arrest and execute and make a spectacle of Spartacus. And Kirk Douglas, with the little cleft in his chin, says, I'm Spartacus. But right after him, the person beside him stood up and says, No, I'm Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. And thousands of his followers said that they were, so all of them were executed. And the final scene of the film is a scene exiting a city, and one after another, on each side of the road, Men were impaled upon crosses as far as the eye could see. That's what the Romans did. They looked at the cross from a perspective that they were the conquering force that they ruled the world. They looked at the cross as a means to an end. They saw the cross as a symbol of their power and authority. If you were a city-state in those days and Rome came to call, they would encircle your city and they would send an arrow with a message attached inside the city. Surrender or die. No other option. Far too many citizens decided they would fight. They could hold out against Rome, but eventually Rome always won. And Rome would go in and take all of the men of the city and impale them on crosses that anyone who entered or left that city could look up to the cross and see you don't Cross Rome. This is what happens if you try to hold out against Rome. It not only crushed them physically, it crushed them in their spirit. Rome ruled the world. That was their view of the cross. It was a means to an end that the thousands upon thousands and tens of thousands of men who were impaled upon crosses was just one more mark off of the enemies of Rome that will never mount up to threaten them again. From the perspective of Rome, it struck fear in everyone's heart. It made people not want to draw a sword against Rome because they would be hung, impaled, and left to die on the cross. They were hung there in shame and nakedness. 
And everyone had to pass by if they entered or left the city. And they left them there until their corpses rotted from the nails. The stench of death permeated anyone who crossed Rome. That's their perspective. Ultimate victory. Ultimate fear. The Romans' view of the cross. It was an end. They put an end to anyone who would come against them. But boy, they were in for a rude awakening because one cross out of the tens of thousands of crosses turned it around and ultimately brought Rome to its knees. How do you see the cross? How do I? We want to look at another man's perspective of the cross. We read about him in Mark chapter 10. He's a wealthy young fellow, an entrepreneur, a businessman, a leader in the community. And Mark 10, 17 says, Now as he was going out, as Jesus was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him. That's a good start, amen? That's a great start. One came running to him, knelt before him, and said, Good teacher, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And the... The man answered, he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come. Take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. The young man saw a choice when he saw the cross. I have to forsake everything to follow Jesus and take up a cross as in my future? It's not a banner, it's not a placard, it's an implement of death and shame. If I follow him, a cross is in my future. It's a price I cannot afford to pay. That's how some see the cross. They see how the cross might affect them. I don't want to be in a position where that cross that Jesus spoke of makes me anything less than what I am. See, there are some people that view the cross from that same position today. I want Jesus 
I want to follow a good teacher. But I'm not willing to pay the price that it takes to follow. You see, if I follow Jesus, there's a cross in my future. There's a choice that I make that I'm going to deny myself and all the things that I want and all the things I want to become. I'm going to deny myself and take up a cross and follow him. And I'm not willing to pay that price. You say, well, is it, is it really that big of a price tag today? Well, for some, it's too big of a price to pay. You see, some people want everybody to like them. I hope I'm not speaking to any of those in this gathering right now or on the live stream, but some people have this deep, inherent desire for everybody to like them and everybody to love them and everybody to think that they're wonderful. But if you take up your cross and follow Jesus, Jesus said it very clearly. You think they hated me and they're not going to hate you? You, you, think, you think they're going to persecute me and those who follow me, they're, they're going to leave you alone? You see, it's a choice how much am I willing to pay? What price will I lay down from my perspective of this cross? Some here perhaps today, you're not willing to pay the price. You want to be loved and so you can't speak what the man who bore that cross said. The words of Christ you want to avoid. You want to candy coat them. You want to uh, caramelize them in such a way that they're more palatable. I was going through my desk looking for something the other day, <laughs> which is always an adventure. I find things I didn't know I had. <laughs> and I was looking in one drawer, and I saw some old cassette tapes. Do you remember cassette tapes? Remember? Try and find something to play them on today, you know. But I found a cassette tape, and I was just going to toss it, and then I said, oh, my. It's one of my son's tapes. I was away. I forget where I was, but he preached for me when I was gone. He was my assistant pastor, youth pastor in Bell Fountain. And I looked at the, the title of his message, and uh, it was this. Caramel-coated Christianity just won't cut it. And I found a device so I could play back and hear my son's words again. As he said, it just doesn't cut it. There's a price tag for following this cross, my friends. Are you willing to pay it? Well, pastor, you ought to make it more uh, approachable. You shouldn't uh, do that. Well, I'm just following Jesus' example. You see, Jesus loved this guy. He, I want him to be one of my followers. I've got 12. I've got a loser in the 12. I'd like another one. This could have been the replacement for the one who was going to betray him. 
Think about it. Jesus was offering this young man an opportunity to get on the ground floor of him building his church. We'd be reading about him on Sundays as the Lord would have used him to, to share the word of God in various places. But he wasn't willing to pay the price. He wanted his wealth, his position, his friends, his relationships. He saw the cross from his perspective as too costly to pay for. I've often wondered about different Bible characters. As I was thinking about and meditating upon this rich young ruler, as he is called, I wondered about the rest of his life, if he made other decisions based on the same pattern that he made that one. Jesus loved him and wanted him to follow him, but he told him what it was going to cost. There are far too many today that are trying to dumb down following Jesus. Well, any, it, it's no problem. You don't have to give up anything. You can just keep doing whatever you're doing. You just get a, a new T-shirt to wear that says, I'm a follower of Jesus. That's not the way it works. How do you see the cross? You're going to have to lay some things down. You're going to have to put some things aside. You're going to get some relationships right. Are you willing to suffer the rejection of some because you've picked up the cross of Jesus Christ to follow him? How do you see the cross from your perspective, from where you stand? I wondered about this, this rich young ruler and when word of the crucifixion hit, I wonder how it had impacted him. From the things that we know about him, he probably viewed the crucifixion from his perspective again, that, well, it's a good thing I didn't follow him. It's a good thing I didn't take him up on it. He was a great teacher, a great pattern. He did miracles. I ran to him. I fell at his feet. I, I, I wanted to follow him. I was, a, I was a very religious person. I went by the Ten Commandments. But I'm so glad I didn't follow him because I'd have had a cross too. Or perhaps I wonder what happened when he heard about the rumor of the resurrection. You see, the resurrection will make you view the cross a little differently. At least it should. We're going to be talking about that next week. It's all about your perspective, my friend. How do you see it, this cross of Jesus Christ from where you stand? I've got to move ahead. There are several others that we want to look at today. Our perspective is shaped by our position. Whether it's Rome or a rich young ruler, 
But there were two other men that were crucified that day, were there not? They, they were just on one side or the other of the man on the center cross. What was their perspective? It was the same cross, but they had two vastly different views of it. They were just inches away from the nail-pierced hand of Jesus. And yet their perspectives were a million miles apart. The one took this as an opportunity to trash talk Jesus. To join with the crowd that was jeering. There's always those that will do that. One cursed at him. The other repented to him. One mocked him. One cried for mercy. One went to hell. <laughs> but one went to paradise with Jesus. It's all about their perspective. How do they see the cross? The one thief saw him as just another sinner, just another object of Rome's cruelty. And he could join in and mock and coerce. But the other perspective was one who was just as guilty to be on that cross as the other. And he even admitted it. He said, hey, leave him alone. We deserve where we are. But he's innocent. He had a perspective that this Jesus was different. This position that he was in just inches away from the hands of Jesus. He saw this as an opportunity of his life. He had gone all this distance in crime and, and running from the law and ultimately he'd come against Rome and he was impaled upon their symbol of death. But the, that day the cross became a symbol of eternal life to one thief who said, remember me when you come into the kingdom. He had a spiritual awakening in the midst of his pain and his agony. You see, that's what your position will do. It'll change your perspective of the cross. The other thief, he saw him as the object of ridicule. The one thief, though, saw him with all the blood and the crown of thorns and the pain that they were both in, he saw him as the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah of the Jewish people. Your position impacts your perspective of the cross. Both guilty, both dying, both headed for eternity, both entered eternity. But their position and perspective is a million miles apart. You know what? One day, 
those of you who know and myself who've received Jesus Christ as my Savior. We're going to be walking on streets of gold one day, aren't we? We celebrated the life of Rita Stewart the other day, who we know was taken right into the presence of the Lord. She was a godly woman. She lived it. She prayed it. She testified to it. Many of you here, she prayed for, interceded for you. And at that moment of death, she was taken into the presence of her Savior. And you know, if we know Jesus as our Savior, we're one day going to be there too, either through the rapture of being caught up or through the, the doorway of death. It doesn't matter. It's where you land and line up. When you end up in the presence of the Lord, it's because you made a decision of what you're going to do with the cross down here. And one day, you and I are going to be walking on streets of gold. And wouldn't it be cool to walk up to this guy? And he, he's a sharp-looking guy. You, wouldn't, you know, he's dressed in white. And you strike up a conversation. I'm, I'm Ken. Uh, you know, I was a pastor uh, uh, of a church in Columbus, Ohio, and had a lot of great people there. And we had people saved. We used to gather together and sing praises to the Lord. Tell me your story. He said, I've never been to church. They didn't have churches when I was there. And I didn't go to synagogue anymore either. Well, where were you baptized? Where were you saved? Where were you baptized, son? He says, I wasn't baptized. I uh, never heard a sermon. Never walked the aisle in an invitation. I was a thief. Dying on a cross, and with my last breaths, I met a Savior named Jesus. And we're going to be walking together, child of God, on streets of gold. Amen? It's all about your perspective and position of how you view the cross. He viewed the cross as a vehicle that would get him, the one on the center cross would get him to paradise. How do you see the cross today? Oh, my, my. I better hurry. I'm getting a little slow. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen? For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The cross, our position, determines our perspective. Some of the people, their perspective was from a distance. Matthew 26. 
57. And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance. Mark 14, 54. But Peter followed him, say it with me, at a distance. Luke 22, 54. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him to the high priest's house, and Peter followed at a distance. Luke 23, 49. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Some people have a perspective of the cross from a distance, a safe distance. Because if you get too close to it, what's happening on the cross might touch your life. Some people want to view it from a distance, a safe distance. I, I, I believe in Jesus, but I don't want to be considered a radical about it. You see the cross, but you're not close to the one who bore it. Speaks to those who want a comfortable Christianity. Part of my life, but not the center of my life. Include Jesus as just one more part of my day, not the life of my day. Well, I love the Lord, bless God, but I want everybody to like me too. If I stand for the gospel of the cross, I'll lose friends and relationships. Distance from the cross distorts the power of the cross in your life. Some people are living in such a place that they, they recognize their need of a Savior. They recognize what Jesus did intellectually, but they want to just kind of touch base with it every Sunday or so. They don't want to live it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They just want to keep it at a distance so that it doesn't mess up your plans, the things that you have on your agenda because the cross can mess up your agenda. The closer you get to the one who bore the cross, the more. It affects your life. I'll view the cross from a distance, Pastor. Uh, uh, I'll just touch base with him when I need him. Well, I haven't talked to him in a couple weeks, but now I have a car problem, and we have chatted often. Well, things are going pretty well. We have this happen all the time as we're having inviting people to pray with us at the uh, drive-through food giveaway, and th the answer that just blows me away is: "Is something I can pray with you about?" No, things are going pretty well. 
excuse me, <laughs> you're in a food line. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make us immune from problems, folks. It's no shame to admit it. No, I don't need him right now. I'll keep my distance. My friend, watch how distant you get from the cross. You remember Simon of Cyrene? He had a different perspective at the beginning of the day from the end of the day, didn't he? He got up close and personal. He was watching the events, Simon was. They were leading Jesus down the center of the roads, the streets of Jerusalem. And Jesus fell again. And they beat on him, but he couldn't stand up. He was bleeding from his head, from his back, from his hand, from every place. They had beat him with the whip and platted a crown of thorns upon his head. And they reached out and they grabbed this man, Simon of Cyrene, and drug him over and says, pick up the cross, buddy. But that's not my cross to bear. And the Roman reached for his sword and Simon picked up the cross. And all the blood that had come from Jesus was now part of him. You see, the closer you get to the cross, the more the blood affects you. He had a different perspective. The people are shouting. They said, well, they're not shouting at me. It's hard to tell when you're carrying the cross. Now, down the road, some I wrote a, a drama for Simon of Cyrene. One day I'm going to do it here. As soon as I get the nerve... It's a scary drama. The blood of his cross on your life. You see, Simon got up close and personal with the cross. We find out one of the scriptures about him in one of the letters that Paul wrote. He refers to Simon's sons who were apart of the church of the New Testament because Simon got up close and personal to the cross. Your position affects your, pos your perspective of the cross. Oh, I've got to share a couple more. Will you hold with me for a few more moments? There are some others that they were close to the cross that day. John chapter 19 and 25 says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Jesus' earthly aunt, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene, who had been delivered from scores of demons. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, John, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, 
that disciple took her to his own home. Relationships are born when you're close to the cross. I don't know about you, but I find that my brothers and sisters in Christ are just as close, if not closer, than flesh and blood relatives. Oh, have you been drawn to close to someone else because your proximity to the cross of Jesus Christ are you a brother or sister to someone in Christ Jesus and you'd go to the end of the earth to help them? You see, when we get close to the cross, we also can get close to others who are close to the cross. You're my brother. You're my sister in Christ Jesus. We're a family of God. When you get close to the cross, it gives you a new family. Oh. When we share in communion in just a little while, the closer you get to the cross, your perspective changes. When we share in communion, there should be some aspect of sorrow at what Jesus went through for you. If there is no sorrow, you're not close enough to the cross. Are you being judgmental? No, I'm just stating facts. If you can look at what Jesus did for you, he was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised and beaten for your iniquities. The lashings, the stripes across his back were for your healing and your empowerment in God. And by his stripes we're, we're healed of their salvation. If we can view what Jesus went through for us and not have something affect our emotion, if we can watch his suffering and not be impacted by how he suffered, there's something wrong with me. He really was beaten. The crown of thorns were impaled upon his head and then he was beaten, driving them into his skull. His back, the flesh of his back was torn in ribbons from the Roman whip. He really was beaten. He really was pierced, nailed. He really did die. The closer you get to the cross... There ought to be something going on on the inside, my friend. I looked up an old hymn that I love. My voice is not what it used to be, but I'm going to sing it anyway. If you know it, some of you won't. Many of you will not. It's a great old song of the church. It goes like this. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. 
whispering shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Lifted up was he to die, it is finished was his cry. Now in heaven, exalted high, hallelujah, what a Savior. When he comes, our glorious King, all the ransomed home to bring, then anew this song will sing, Hallelujah! What a Savior! Our position affects our perspective of the cross. The closer we get to the, the cross of Jesus, we ought to grieve at what he went through and thank him. He died for my sin. He died for my sin. He was wounded for my sin. He was bruised for my sin. The stripes on his back were for my condition, not his. He was the innocent, sinless Lamb of God. <laughs> Next Sunday, we're going to be looking at the perspective of the centurion He saw it all, didn't he? From where I stand. I don't have time to go in to some others. Caiaphas had a view of the cross too, didn't he? He actually prophetically said, the scripture tells us, Caiaphas prophesied and said, it is only right that one should die for all of the world rather than us to die at the hands of Rome. He didn't even realize what he was saying. He saw the cross as a way out. Oh, and it is. My friend today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, run to him. Run to him. Call upon his mercy. Call upon his grace to save you from your sin. If you've drifted away and you're living a life distant from the cross, living at a distance, run up close and get close to Jesus today. Caiaphas had a different point of view of the cross. I might add that Judas had a different perspective of the cross from his position. He was in hell. He had walked with Jesus. He had heard his teaching. He had held the miracles of the loaves and fishes in his hands. He had seen people dead rise to life. But now he witnessed the cross from the pits of hell. 
because he rejected the only means of salvation. Don't be a fool like Judas. How do you see the cross? How do you see the cross? Shameful or salvation? Too costly to follow or too priceless to neglect? From a distance or right up close as you can get? As a ritual or as something that impacts you at your deepest level of what he did for you? I'm going to invite you to stand with me right now. I'm going to just read some verses about this cross. I'm asking for the musicians to come and bring a song of invitation. We're going to open the altar up. Run to the cross today, the one who bears it. Hear the word of the Lord. Matthew 10, 38 says, And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. Galatians 6 and 14, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearances of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those in earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Hebrews 12, Therefore also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. From where you stand, how do you see the cross? This place of prayer is open right now. Draw in close.
I count the loss and pour contempt on all my pride. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame.
may be seated in his presence. Brother, you're going to come and help me as we distribute these emblems of his sacrifice. Would you pray a simple prayer with me before we distribute these emblems of the bread and the cup? Lord, draw me close to your cross today. To see what you did be set free. Make this a stellar moment as I draw near to the foot of the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just a moment, the brethren are going to pass amongst you with these emblems of bread and cup. This is not a ritual that we do. This is a celebration of remembrance of what Jesus did. There's nothing magical in the bread or the cup, but there's something mystical in what Jesus did at the cross for us. It's to remind us of that. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, you are invited to participate. Just like the thief on the cross. He'd never even been to church before. But he met Jesus at the cross, and he walks with him in paradise, even as we speak. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you don't have to be a member of this church. You just got to be a member of his family through salvation. You're invited to participate. But if you don't know Jesus today as your Savior and Lord, if there's some sin in your life you've not confessed to him, don't do it. It diminishes the power of the cross when you view it from a distance. Father, take these emblems this day. Speak to us. Your love and your suffering, your pain and your promise. I ask it in Jesus' name. Emblems are distributed. Please take yours, pass it to the next, wait till everyone has been served, and we'll receive together. Looking at the words of Jesus Christ Himself to His disciples.
I take that cup that's empty and I wrap it in my hand and I put my, my thumb over the top, it reminds me of an empty tomb. And when I move it away, the stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty. And that's the end result of what Jesus did at Calvary. The grave has no hold on you. sanctuary I've had brother Jim put the cross at the back would you not in anything magical or mystical but just as a reminder Thank you. 